It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring. It's brought to you by Blake, the attorney, Mazelin. Rick, we are in the midst of a Reds winning streak that may never stop. This feels very Moneyball-like. It came out of nowhere. It's come out of nowhere, but it's caught the town by storm. FC Cincinnati continues to ace its home slate. Has not lost on, on home ice to this point. Actually, home pitch, if you will. Um, we are the town of winners now, Rick. How about that? Yeah, just like everyone's always said. Yes, we're nothing but a what, title town. Winners. Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's jumping the gun a little bit, but it is fun. There's no question about that. The city is is a buzz for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. It's, it's arguable that it's more fun to be the city on the rise than the city that's already started doing the winning. And right now, the C- Cincinnati is on the rise in like all of its major sports. So it's a good time. For speaking, sure. of, speaking of those red legs, they have won seven games straight since we last talked, which means they are now on an 11 game winning streak and are in first place by themselves atop the NL Central. They're a game and a half ahead of the Brewers and three and a half games ahead of the Cubs here on Thursday morning as we record this on their off day. Skinny, what stands out to you most about what's going on right now with this team? There's a lot of different ways to take this. Where where do you want to go with this? Um, I, I, I think the fact that they can beat you in so many ways right now, um, maybe not as much with starting pitching, although when Andrew Abbott's been on the mound, it's been pretty doggone good. Even yesterday, uh, gave up the three solo homers, but he was also dominant otherwise. Um you know, the bullpen kind of settled in after the first couple of weeks, so I wouldn't even call that a surprise at this point. Maybe others will. I just think it's the fact that they can beat you in a lot of ways. They can beat you with a long ball. They can beat you taking an extra base. They can beat you stealing a base. They can beat you just up and down the lineup at the moment, and I think that's the good part is when you have that, it's it's not just somebody got hot. It's not just, boy, we're hitting the long ball at the moment. I think it's the fact they can beat you in so many ways right now. I've been one who's firmly on the side of, Let's pump our brakes a little bit. I don't think this team is really going to compete for anything of consequence this year, but this is fun to see. We are now passing that threshold of they're not going to compete for anything this year because let's face it, this division isn't going anywhere at this point, and they are now in first place and clearly look like the most talented team in the division. So they are competing for something real. Uh, We can get into how that should affect their plans going forward, but I think the one thing from a positive perspective, like I said, I've been kind of on the somewhat negative, or at least I'm not fully buying into what this team is just yet. When you start looking into them more though, the starting pitching, we've talked a lot about the, it's not where you'd like it to be, but skinny in terms of competing in the postseason, what do we often talk about? You need to have, if you're going to win in the postseason, it doesn't necessarily have to be five good pitchers, but you need what at least, Two or three, right? Yeah. Yeah. You got to have two or three guys that go win you a series. And that's the one thing that when I look at this Reds team, even though the starting pitching is in shambles in some ways right now, I mean, there's a lot of injuries, the ERA is there, all that stuff. Hunter Green is starting to come around when his hip is okay. I mean, he's obviously on the DL, but like he is starting to look like an ace type of pitcher, or at least definitely a top of the rotation guy. And he's giving you more consistent outings. Is it possible that you can get? one of Ashcraft or Lodolo or maybe one of these other guys that we haven't seen yet going to give you a third pitcher to go along with Abbott and Green by the time the end of the season rolls around. Because if you can, then with this lineup, if you have three legit starting pitchers at the top of that rotation, all bets are off at that point, honestly. I mean, this team really could be a team that makes a, a improbable run. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big believer in Hunter Green at the moment. Obviously, the, the hip injury aside, and he may not be back till August because of that. Um, yeah, can you? I mean, we've seen Graham Ashcraft do some good things. We've seen Nick Lodolo be dominant at times. Um, again, I, I have to see him healthy to to put the stamp on that. So is it possible? Yes. But I think that goes into the bigger picture question of, and we'll get into this probably in a minute, of, you know, They've talked about being buyers at the trade deadline, but what does that mean? What are you right. willing to give up and what are you willing to go get? I think you do definitively have to add another starting pitcher, at least one. But then the question is, what are you willing to give up to get it? And I'm not at the stage of giving up a lot to get some all-star caliber arm. I need a, a caliber arm better than than Luke Weaver or Brandon Williamson or um, 
Ben Lively. I, I need something better than that, probably. But I'm not willing to mortgage the the, the future for that. But um, you know, I, I I've kind of been on this bus for the last couple of ever since they brought Ellie up. I've been on the bus of this is a playoff caliber team. A because of the division so bad, and B. You've now added arguably, and I don't know if I can put Votto in the mix, but you've added three legit bats to your lineup here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, legit guys. Now, again, I'm talking Votto legit when I'm still not completely sold that he's there yet. But that's a pretty big ad in the middle of the season, for goodness sakes. Definitely. And while Votto may or may not be able to recapture some of his stardom here to to end this year, that Votto game, the game where he came back and hit the run, that was awesome. It was great. What a, what yeah. a great moment. I mean, that, that's exactly what we were, we were talking about. It would be such a shame if he's just never able to make it back and give this team anything. If nothing else, him being able to come back for that game, get the standing ovation from the crowd, hit the home run, and just have that fun night was pretty awesome. Because, I, I mean, honestly, who knows what the rest of the season holds for him. It could be good. It could be uh, really bad. But that night was exactly what you wanted him to have before his career is over with this team. Yeah. I had to write a story off his press conference um, the other day when he came back and, and uh, you know, just watching it and transcribing some quotes from it. I thought, man, you sound like you're just trying to convince yourself that you can do yep. this. Um, you know, the whole, he felt like he was getting better at Louisville and I'm sorry, I still need some numbers to back that up. And then yet lo and behold on that first night, if he, and he didn't go out there and do those things he did. And, and it made you think it's the Joey Votto of old. I don't know if it's sustainable. I hope it is because it would be a great ending for both for him Wouldn't to be it? a part of a, uh, a playoff chase and, and, and be a contributor to that. And, and I think that would be, be great. And you know, listen, uh, that, that first night was certainly a, a good start to it. Can he continue to do that? Cause if he can, that's a big addition to the lineup for sure. One of the things about this team that continues to, be amazing to me is uh, obviously he took the world by storm the first couple nights that he was up, but the fact that Ellie De La Cruz is not overwhelmingly the most impressive part of this team or not the most dominant storyline at all times right now is crazy to me. It's somebody different every night. It feels like, right? It, it is. And I mean, really out of the young guys, he hasn't been, even the most productive or the most impressive to this point. Like, I don't know, man, he's done an awful lot of stuff though. I think we're, he's great to home run every night and he's, we're not getting that, but the things he's done, like flipping the dog, I, I thought, I thought the flip double on, on Wednesday, um, him hustling that out into the double. And then honestly, the, the, the pitcher just was so afraid of him taking off for third base. I truly believe he didn't focus on Jake Fraley. And I think Ellie created that too. Totally skinny. I'm not taking anything away from Ellie. He's the most exciting player we've ever seen in a red uniform. I love every second of it. My only point is think back to opening day when we were going, who the hell is Jason Vossler? Right. And right. a few months later, the most electrifying prospect in all of the sport comes up on this team. And it's not the only thing we're talking about right no, now. Right, it's right, not right. the thing leading off every show. It's not the only storyline to discuss with the. I mean, seriously, look at the angels. You know, they, they've got two of the best players in baseball and all they have to talk about. There's no fun. There's no winning. There's no nothing. And it's like with the Reds, they've got this insane prospect after having a, a team that lost 100 games last year. And we're talking about three, four different guys every single night with this group. It's it's really kind of crazy to think that. Yeah, I mean, you've you've now got when he's healthy and, and he feels like he's a guy that's going to be in and out. I mean, TJ Friedel is a legit leadoff guy. Matt McClain is the perfect number two hitter in the lineup. India, maybe not the perfect number three hitter, but he certainly has settled into that role. Now, Ellie's a legit cleanup guy. Spencer Steer has shown he can hit for power. Suddenly, Joey Votto, if this was if this was Joey Votto opening day, Joey Votto, he's batting third in this lineup by default um, and maybe by reputation. Now that everybody's settled in, it's all right, we'll pencil him in for six. Now you're a cleanup hitter for most of the years, batting seventh or eighth in Tyler Stevenson. And, and oh, by the way, there's Jake Fraley in that mix somewhere in the lineup. Will Benson do what he's done? And, you know, you legitimately won through eight. And then yesterday it was number nine, Luke Maley getting a two run single. You legitimately don't have an out in that lineup at the moment. I've never been more wrong about a player than I was about Will Benson earlier this season. When he came up during that first stint, I thought I there was no chance wrong. this dude could ever play. Yeah, I don't think anybody was wrong. I don't know if he was pressing. He was overmatched. And I don't know why that was. Um 
You know, but it's skinny, funny. I've it's, never seen someone that looked less like a baseball player at his first. I mean, everything about him was like, no way. No way this guy's going to work. And out. he still scuffles in the outfield a little bit, but he's he's oh. raking at the moment. It's funny. You know, go back to, to um, these guys six weeks ago were in Louisville. And remember, they were like way under 500 when all of them came back and got healthy because Ellie started on the DL. CES started on the DL. Will Benson got sent down. I mean, literally five or six weeks ago at Louisville, Will Benson was batting leadoff. Matt McClain was batting third and Ellie was batting fourth. And, and CES is hitting fifth. That's a major That's a major league team playing AAA. Between the major leagues and the AAA Louisville right now, it's the Reds have never had this much depth in terms of talent, at least since I've been watching, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've, you've got Stuart Fairchild was – was raking before he got sent down. And, and again, you can't keep them all. Obviously you only got so many roster spots, but you know, he's a nice depth piece sitting in Louisville at the moment. And certainly the, I think the last bullet in the gun, if you need to add offensive pop to it is, is CES sitting down there. And I think we'll see him certainly at some point before the season's over and hopefully doing the things he's doing in Louisville up here. Here's an interesting question on this topic. If you had to pick a Reds MVP to this point in the season, who would you go with? Ellie Dale Cruz. <laughs> now, um, I mean, in all seriousness, India, I don't think that's a crazy India, answer. It, I'd go India because he's been the steady force from day one. Can I throw out a outside the box pick? Um, sure. I'm interested in this. Alexis Diaz. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And, and believe it or not, potential 20 game winner Ian Jabot. Cool. Austin Elmore's he's, guy. He's so it is. It is Austin Elmore's guy. Austin Elmore could not be more wrong on Ian Jabot. He just has a a, a strange distaste for Ian Jabot. Um, yeah, Here's he's what I don't understand about uh, Austin. Uh, Austin pretty well actually. Austin, like myself, is a thick king. He's a bigger guy. I don't yes, understand right. how yeah, he doesn't sure. champion a pitcher like Ian Jabot, who is totally overweight. He's an like every man. Slob. Yes. Yes. I. I. I I think I told you that on opening day. I, I texted my friend Tom Gamble, who was at the game that day. I said, I've never seen a fatter pitching staff being introduced in my life. But yeah, they've I mean, kind of owned it and then they've rolled with it. It harkens back to the day of like Todd Coffey spreading out of your bullpen. You know, you need some overweight <laughs> kings back there in the back end to do the, the damage. Some Jonathan Broxtons, if you will. I uh, I'm all in on Ian Jabot. I think I tweet, tweeted the first night he, he made his appearance for the Reds that I was like, this is my type of pitcher. A fatty coming out of the bullpen. So uh, I'm all in on Ian Jabot, but this bullpen skinny, it's unbelievable what they've done this year because that was one of the main knocks coming into this year is how weak the bullpen was going to be and how they had done nothing to improve it. Well, the the one thing that helps is you have a bona fide back-end duo um, in in Lucas Sims and, and Alexis Diaz, and certainly Sims was not on this roster to start because of injury. But I think his return... Um, you know, obviously Diaz, you know, he, he, he did not close yesterday because he'd been used so many times. So they had to have a uh, uh, buck farmer come in close, but then it's kind of everybody else has settled into their role a little bit. And, and it's, it has, it's been, it, that's the thing. I mean, the, the first few weeks of the season, it was gosh, poor David Bell, whenever that bullpen door swings open, he has no clue what's coming out of it. Well, now he does. And now it's, he's able to push buttons and, and look smart in doing so because guys are performing in, in those roles. But I think a lot of it's because you found Diaz as a bona fide closer. I think you found that last year, but he's certainly settled into that role. And then Sims coming back, I think was huge. No question. But I mean, Diaz has been as good of a closer as there is in all of the sport this year. And that's, sure. that's a big anchor on the back yeah, there, sure. especially when, you know, it's not closer by committee and we got to have a, a different guy or two available. Everyone's like, no, Alexis is there if we need him for the most part, unless we've overworked him this week. And then everybody else can kind of get in where they fit in in front of him. That's really helped bumping a couple of those other guys down. And and obviously Sims has been great in the setup role. Um, all right, let's get let's get into this trade talk because Nick Crawl mentioned to Mark Sheldon this week that the Reds are going to be buyers at the trade deadline, adding that he does have some flexibility when it comes to the payroll. So Skinny, where do you stand on the Reds as buyers? What are you looking for, first and foremost? I think everybody wants starting pitching, obviously. And then the big question is, how much are you willing to give away to compete this year? I think that's the big part of this equation that not a lot of fans are able to reconcile with, I want to win right now. Well, I, I would tell you that yes, anything with Christian Encarnacion straining is off the table for me. Um, I'm not giving up a guy who could be your your big power source for the next decade. 
I mean, we don't know that yet, but I'm, I'm not willing to give up that at the moment um, for short-term gain. So, so he is completely off the table. Um, you know, maybe Noel de Marte is off the table and maybe Petty's off the table. A handful of, of, of young arms, especially are off the table, but I do think you have some movable pieces. I think Will Benson's a movable piece. He's still very intriguing. Um, you know, you're not sure. Is he, is this a flash in the pan for some weeks or is this, Hey, this guy, every level, he didn't hit the first year. He was at that level. The next year he killed it. And now he's starting to kill it. Um, could he be a part? Could Nick Senzel be a part? Could Jose Barrero be a part? I mean, guys that I think to other teams are intriguing enough to where um, they're willing to take that on to give up, you know, a, a pitcher who's heading to free agency. And you're willing to do something like that in the short term where it is a an extra piece at the moment. So for me, I'm, I'm in that vein. I'm not willing to give up the ranch to get an arm and I'm not willing to give up the ranch to get an all-star Cal. I'm not looking for an all. If I can get one, great. If somebody's dumb enough to no offense, take Nick Senzel and Jose Barrero for, um, you know, a, a, a big time caliber arm just cause they got to get that guy off the books. And they're looking to just add, you know, some might bees down the road that they find intriguing. Then sure. Sign me up for that. But I, that's not realistic. Uh, I, I just, I need a capable starting pitcher. I don't know if I need an all-star caliber one, unless I get a steal steal for that. Um, I, I do think they do. I, I, let, me, let me backtrack a second, Rick. I do have to give the front office a lot of credit in the last couple of years for eating dead contracts, eating Mike Moustakas, eating Luis Sessa earlier this year, now eating Will Myers. Good for them because it's already sunk cost and they've decided, you know what? We're going to keep productivity over, over guys just because of contracts. So let's give them credit for that. And I do think there is now payroll flexibility too, um, to add at least an arm. But again, I'm not willing to give up a ton to get that arm, if you know what I mean. Yeah, the Reds DFA'd Will Myers on Tuesday. He he was really the only notable addition this offseason. They signed into a one-year $7.5 million deal. And on this payroll, that really stuck out because – no one's making a whole lot of money on this team. Rick, I, I, I did a piece. Yeah, I did a piece yesterday um, after they DFA'd Will Myers. It was, it was a short piece. It wasn't wasn't long. But do you know who the second highest paid red at the moment is on the roster? Well, is this active, guys, or are we going the Griffey route, right? Because it'd be Votto then Griffey. Is Correct. That- no, Gr- yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're taking Griffey out of the, out of the equation because okay. um, it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take him out. But I'm t- t- on the current roster, the second highest paid player. Man, second highest. I I don't know. I'm going to get Luke Maley's not second highest, is he? He's got to be in like no, but he, but, five or six, right? But he's, he's like seventh. Yes, he's okay. like seventh, right. I believe. Oh, uh, that's funny to say. I, I I don't know. Go ahead and give it to me. Kevin Newman at 2.66 mil, followed by Kurt Casale, number three. How about that? Wow, Kevin Newman, and it's ba- and it's basically because of both of their veteran statuses. I mean, they they they've you know accumulated years of service that bumps their minimum up, if you will, or their status up. Um, yeah, same you know, like with Mailey. Really the, the probably the best, <laughs> yeah, the the best regular is probably Jonathan Indy, and he's less than a million dollars. It's funny to even look at those That's numbers crazy. right now. It really is. But we were talking about the trade situation. I think your point or your stance on this is exactly where I'm at, which is I get it. You didn't do anything in the off season. You didn't expect this team to be ready to compete at all. Thank God. Nick crawl got you to this spot. They did because I mean, let's face it as much as everyone wants to give credit to the Reds front office right now. The only one that we should be hyping up is Nick crawl. He's done all of this with a hand tied behind his back. The only thing he's been given from his ownership group is yeah. Uh, can you align your payroll to resources, please? Yes. Don't, right. Don't spend any more money. Yeah. Make sure you don't, don't use any of the resources that we've saved this offseason to maybe, you know, add to your starting pitching rotation or your pool. But so like the Nick Kroll stuff is incredible. But in terms of like keeping all this praise on the Reds front office, I'm I'm not there yet. I don't think they've really done any of this. Nick Kroll has pulled a rabbit out yeah. of that with some of the moves he made last year and some of the prospects that they've drafted over the years. Yeah, I, I think when I think front office, I, I don't think of them. I think ownership ship is separate of front office. And I always think front office starts with the GM and his staff. So whenever I say front office, I, I mean, the Nick crawl and his yeah, group, because I think that's fair. It's not but- just him. Obviously they did. I mean, they did such a great job of scouting Ellie signing Ellie. Um, uh, when they did, they obviously did a great job with Andrew Abbott scouting him and drafting him and Matt McClain. And then the one thing I got to give him and, or maybe I got to give ownership credit for this too, of not trying to manipulate service time and and having the guts to call these guys up when they did, because 
Uh, some of it was those guys forced their hand. I mean, they played so well in Louisville. It was, yeah. you know, they literally forced their way up here. But again, to have the guts to call them up, good for them when they did. And, and you know, the good part is none of those guys they've called up have disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, they were a about to have a riot in the streets at the banks if they didn't call Ellie up when they did. So I don't know how much credit they deserve for that. But anyway, the, getting back to the whole trade thing, I am totally with you on they should not be giving up any serious prospects in my mind at this point. And, and the one thing that I don't really understand from fans right now is this is incredibly fun. It's been a great few weeks, but it's a few weeks. We don't even know yet right. which I'll of these guys it. are going to stick. I mean, we're talking a incredibly small sample size for some of these guys that we've already penciled in for the next, however many years as the starter at their positions. Like let's make sure they have enough talent or too much talent. As I keep hearing, Oh, there's too many guys. They've got too many spots. Well, hold on a second. This was a team that lost hundred games last year. Let's make sure you have enough talent and you have enough guys before you start giving away all these talented young pieces away. And also let's not shoot for competing for this year or maybe this year and next year, let's make this a window. Like that's what I've always been told is that they are rebuilding to have a window with these young guys of, you know, at least in my mind, that's two, three, four years of, of potential competing at the highest level. That's not, we're going all in one year paying some, some expiring contracts or, or trading away prospects to get some expiring contracts and hope it all works out this season. To me, that is not at all what the Reds should be focused on. It's, Take whatever you can get this season with the guys that you have. If you want to add one sort of middle of the rotation arm, because like you said, Senzel and Barrero are worth that to somebody or Benson and, and Senzel, all of the names you listed are names that I would be totally fine with trading. But when you start getting into some of the other young names that I've heard promising things about at the minor league levels, like CS or like Noel V. Marte, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not giving away Absolutely. any of those guys. I'm not either. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 completely out on that. No, 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 no. Thank you. I'll roll the dice that we can get it done with what we've got this year, if that's the case. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that those guys aren't trade pieces later down the line. But let's get to the p- spot. Like n- what what this year has done for me is it's confirmed. Next year is the year you can go all in if you want. And that doesn't mean start trading. Well, because away, but you, that means you you expect to compete for it all next year. And, and yet the other part to that, Rick, is then you have an off season to go spend money as opposed to trading parts. Right. This year you went in with the mindset of. We're not competing for anything meaningful. And that's totally fine. We were all you're, down you're, with it. We were all on board with it. I, right. I'm, I'm, Your I'm whole mantra was a, a, a line payroll to resources, right? That's yeah. not the mantra of a team that's trying to win this year, which is fine. But don't don't lose sight of what's been your plan that's working all along. Don't lose sight of that now just because you had a little bit of early success. And that's where I hope Nick Kroll is able to dig his feet in and continue to make baseball decisions and not have – the the Castellini boys come to him and go ah, do whatever you try whatever you need to get to get this guy no I, I'm I've got this you, you stay out of it you stay you, you staying out of it has been very helpful for us in the organization so you stay out of it I'll take care of this and and my fear would be is is he gets bullied at the trade deadline into trading one of those big pieces for a win now mentality and I hope he digs his feet in and says no I'm going to try to help us but I'm not doing that that's not what this has been about. It feels like we've seen that scenario with this ownership group before where they've sped up the timeline or they've changed the plan mid-cycle. They finally got it working. Let's hope they don't do that this time. Let's just stick to the plan and let Nick Kroll do what he's doing. Yep. Anything else to add on the Red Skinny? No, it's it, it it's been I mean I'm I'm happy for those Reds fans because listen, I was all in on this team was yuck to start the year. I've cracked a lot of jokes about them, and rightfully so. And they were seven and fifteen out of the gate, and it looked like same old, same old. And to a little bit of 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 good fortune. I mean, TJ Friedel certainly emerged as a legit leadoff hitter, and Spencer Steer emerged as a legit, yeah, maybe not middle of the lineup guy, but certainly you know, an everyday guy who's going to give you 25 home runs and maybe down the road 30, but certainly looks like 25 home run power. Um, you know, some of those things have worked out to, to your benefit. And then you did have the prospects ready to add to the mix. And oh, by the way, then they came up and did what you were hoping they would do. So um, this roster is completely different from the one that started the year out um, in many ways. And I, I'm going to stand by this team on paper to start the year was, ugh. Um, and now it's not. And and for Reds fans that had have had to go through this, Uh, I hope you enjoy this ride because it has been a lot of fun for sure. 
I just can't get over the fact now that they started the season one and nine on the road in their first 10 road games. Yeah. Imagine if you could just fix that a little bit right now. Yeah, they would have been you, so bad. And you couldn't because your roster wasn't good enough to do that back then. It just wasn't. It really wasn't. Who the hell is Jason Vossler? I still don't know. I still haven't gotten an answer on that. We'll, we'll always have that opening day moment from Jason Vossler. <laughs> it's incredible. The whole city just collectively looks at the lineup and goes, what? And, and, and oh, oh, by the way, I believe he would be one of the top 10 highest paid Reds. He's, he's making $1 million this year playing in AAA. Good for him. I, he's not, on the I'm, list. I'm not bemoaning it, but he would certainly be in the, in the mix of top 10 Reds if he was on the roster at the moment. All right, let's switch gears. Skinny to a somewhat local story. It certainly didn't happen here. It didn't involve anyone here, but it involved an old friend who we've talked about recently. Bob Huggins has resigned as West Virginia men's basketball coach after he was arrested Friday night in Pittsburgh for driving under the influence of alcohol. Police reports said he blew up. Hey, I thought he said he was in Columbus. Well, it's negotiable that sure. we're still working on that. Sure. Okay. Uh, police reports said he blew a 0.21, nearly three times the legal limit. The 69-year-old presumably retires with 935 career wins and two final fours in 41 years as a head coach. 38 of them at the division one level skinny. What did you think when you heard the news that one Bob Huggins had been arrested? And then a little bit later that he was resigning. Um, not shocked on either account. I'm, I'm sad for, for it because I, I do think he was good for college basketball. I think he's a terrific coach. His players who have played for him stand by him. And I think that always speaks volumes. We can all think about somebody, however you want to think, but when those that are around you and have played for you um, and not all, I mean, I'm guarantee you talk to probably 20 other players who hated his guts, but that's part of coaching. You're not going to get to all of them and you're not going to affect them all the same way, but the majority of guys that have played for him um, have, have really stood by him. And, and I've always thought that spoke volumes of what he is as a coach, but I hate to say it's one of the least surprising endings to a storyline ever of, of how he's gone out as a coach. I mean, um, I'm sorry for it. It's, I'm sad for it. I'm glad he didn't hurt anybody in the process other than himself, I guess. But it, it, is this honestly the least surprising ending to a story ever? Well, I, I don't I think you and I actually had this conversation about it maybe two years ago. And uh, maybe it was longer than that. But do you remember the time where he was on the sideline and like essentially rubbed a heart attack away while he yes. was coaching the game? Yes, I do. <laughs> he just like rubbed one off. Um <laughs> We talked about it at that time where it felt like, and we I don't think we talked about DUI, him getting arrested for a DUI, but we talked about it feels like this isn't going to end well. And he really might die right there on the court of a heart attack at some point when he's yelling at somebody or his blood pressure gets elevated or something, just because he looked so unhealthy at that point. And, and some of the stuff was obviously a problem for him and, and his health. Yeah, I mean, it, it. I think we all saw it coming. And uh, unfortunately, this is the way it ends. And it's it's through no one's fault other than his own. Uh, he's he's been told how many times to he's been given drivers. He's been told to use an app, whatever. Everyone knows at this point what the deal is with Huggins drinking and driving and that he shouldn't be doing it. I mean, he's almost 70 years old. You know, he's not going to change his ways, I guess. And and that's unfortunate because he he gave up. A lot of money. He gave up the opportunity to get to a thousand wins as a head coach, which very, very few people have ever done in this world. And he had a team this year that his donors had paid for that had a legit chance to, I don't know about make a final four, but I mean, at least a probably top 15 team in the country. Yeah, their collective is strong. Yeah. So I like it's just it is. It stinks for him that he would have to lose all that. And I'm sure that the fan base there is in shambles right now as they go through a, a coaching search, which we can talk about that, who you think might should replace him. But yeah, to your point, I, it's not surprising, but it is just kind of uh, sad for everybody involved, I think. Now, I do have to ask this question, and it's a little tongue in cheek, but um, I don't know if you read all of the pieces to the story. Oh, yeah, I did. But but he stopped apparently at a Burger King in Washington, Pennsylvania, which for those of you who maybe are not familiar, I've, I've actually stayed there when I've covered Bengals Steelers games. It's just short of about a half hour, 45 minutes short of, of, of downtown Pittsburgh. And he stopped at a what, what do you think? At one thirty a, 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 a munchy hugs Burger King order looks like, Rick. I, I will say as much as I said, there's no one to blame but Huggins. It could have been the spicy chicken sandwiches from BK that made him so thirsty. 
You think that's what it was? They're a I, bit dry. I'm not a big Burger King guy myself, but I know I've had that spicy chicken sandwich before. It's a little dry. It's kind of got those like pepper flakes in the breading. I could see that giving, giving your throat some dryness and needing to yeah, I, about I, 14 beers. I get a hankering for a Whopper like once a year, and it's usually when I do have the munchies. And I don't know why, because I guess it's because it's close to home, whatever. And I'll have somebody who's driving me stop me there. Uh, stop for me there when I have that hanker. I'm thinking Hugs has got like, it's got triple Whopper and just he's got sauce all over him because the thing is a messy, it's messier than than a Big Mac could ever attempt to be. It's just a messy, messy burger. He, it, that had to be a mess. If we get the the uh, dash cam, not the dash cam, but the body cam footage of this and Hugs on his, he's got a giant West Virginia pullover that looks like a maternity <laughs> for, coat. No question. Always has no that question. On. Yes, no question. If, if he has that on and he has a giant mayo slash ketchup mixed stain on the chest area, mm-hmm. I'm going to lose it. It's I'm going to absolutely lose it. It is just, it's it's on brand. So what did you think about the daughter coming to, I mean, I, it's his daughter. I get she's going to bat for him, but boy, she came out guns a blazing. She did. I mean, I, I think it's kind of a bad look, honestly. I, I do, too. I, if I were him, I would definitely not want my daughter doing this. But I do think one interesting, well, a few interesting things, latter part maybe being more funny. But one interesting note was that she said that Huggins had offered to Gordon Gee, the school president, to go to 60 days of rehab, do a rehab stint. And that was ignored. They said, no chance. You, you got to resign or you're fired. Uh, which I thought was kind of an interesting note. I, I'm a little surprised that Huggins kind of went tail between the legs immediately. It was like, yeah, I'll go to rehab. I'll do whatever needs to be done. Um, but then she she went a little off the deep end after that in terms of uh, taking shots at the president of the school and, and West Virginia in general. And then she's mentioned that there were reports from the police that they found a cooler that was still wet inside his car. They found empty beer cans. And they found a bag of beer cans. Uh, well, of cans. I don't know yeah. if it said beer. Cans I, think it was beer I think it said beer cans. I think it was beer cans, but yeah, she, she, she tried to play it off as anyone who knows her dad knows that he is an avid recycler and he likes to just go around cities collecting cans and bags to, to recycle them. So don't, don't start pointing fingers like he had just been cruising and boozing all the time. <laughs> which yeah. is just insanely funny to me. I yeah, yeah that, that's a, that, that that's a little off the deep end for sure. I, I don't know if that's enabling or denial or exactly how you you frame that, but I'm pretty sure it's not not or exactly both. accurate. Correct. Anything else to to get to with Huggins? Yeah, no, I just it's a it it, it it's kind of a predictable ending. Oh, oh, who do you think's gonna replace? Say it um, I, I think an interim replacement's an easy one, interim, and then you can go national after this year. I think John Beeline's a great interim. Yeah, I don't know if if he'd do it or not. The assistant coaches that are already there seem like probably the easiest option to me, whether it be Ron Everhart or uh, the Eilert guy. If you if you just put them in place as the head coach for this year and then next year, I, I think you go all in on trying to get like Dusty May from Florida Atlantic or, yeah, or someone yeah. like that. I I hear rumors about Andy Kennedy potentially replacing Huggins again, which is wow. exactly what happened last time he got fired for DUI at Cincinnati. It's Huggs's interim guy. <laughs> I just can't imagine West Virginia would actually want to do that. One, because no, I, Andy Kenny is not that good. He's at UAB right now. But two, because like that is clearly you going to Huggins' most preferred option here. It's, yeah, and Andy, Andy's alma mater is UAB, and sometimes you find your comfort zone too, right? That that would make more sense to me that Andy stays at UAB. I guess, um, but if, if I'm Andy Yeah, Ron Kennedy, Everhart, I'm, yeah, I don't know the Eiler guy at all. I, Ron Everhart does have head coaching experience. Um so he would seem to be the easy route. Honestly, I think Beeline's an easy route, to be quite frank. I do. Whether he wants to do it or not, I don't know. But he's. Yeah. Beeline would say yes. I think that's that experience an there. He's a great coach. Yeah. 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 All right. Kentucky basketball. Real quick, Skinny. We've talked about him a lot, and the news just won't stop coming for this Kentucky team. Kentucky five-star big man Aaron Bradshaw suffered a fracture in his foot and could miss the start of the season. Kentucky Sports Radio reported that the seven-foot big man needed surgery and could be out four to six months. Now, there's been some questions about that timeline. I think Aaron Bradshaw posted on his social media that it might be as soon as the next six weeks that he returns. So uh, not exactly sure if he'll miss any time or not to start the season. But either way, him going through a fractured foot, having surgery, and missing some of this prep time is, is obviously big news for a team that's going to be relying on this freshman class heavily. Yeah, and I don't know what to make of it. I think the four to six months might have gotten misconstrued. Maybe not. And, and this is where I, I think 
I, I know he doesn't care, but Cal should come out with something on this, right? I mean, only because we we saw how the whole Shaden Sharp thing went down. We saw how the Severe Wheeler thing went down last year. Um, and, and so it's hard to believe any of this. I mean, is this his handlers basically saying, no, 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 we're shutting you down, dude. And and they're the ones that said the four to six months. And then they're, you know, Bradshaw doesn't want to look bad. So he said, no, no, four to six. And so we're in that gray area of, I don't know who to believe. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't believe, I, I don't believe the kid at any point. And I don't believe, I, I don't believe anybody. I, I need a specific person in charge to tell me, here's, the, here's the situation. Here's where things stand. Here's the timeline. And well, you, you really don't have that. Yeah. And you, you mentioned Shaden Sharp. You go back to like even Jared Vanderbilt a handful of years right. ago where, you know, they, they've had these situations at Kentucky with these one and done type guys where they get hurt. And then it's like, OK, well, now I'm preparing for the NBA and I don't want to potentially expose myself out here if I'm not 100 percent healthy or potentially even re-injuring whatever it is. So I think that's a real concern now for UK fans is. Do you even get Aaron Bradshaw this year or does this linger a little bit and then you end up never seeing him because he's just going to start preparing for the draft? That's a real concern because without your five star seven foot freshman, that's supposed to be one of the crown jewels of this recruiting class. It's not the same recruiting class as it was. And that's the big reason that people have faith in this Kentucky team going into the year. One of the other notable items coming in this week is it was reported on Wednesday that Antonio Reeves is expected to return for his final year of eligibility after moving back into his dorm this week, according to Travis Branham of 24-7 Sports. Skinny, I I mean, I guess this is the end of the Antonio Reeves saga. This has been going back and forth for weeks with uh, stories that he was enrolled at Illinois State to, to graduate this summer. What do you make of the whole Antonio Reeves thing and how big of a difference does that make? Well, I think it makes a huge difference. I mean, it gives you a veteran presence and whether pe- people hold on to that la- lasting memory of him in the in the uh, Kansas State game where he didn't make shots, um, he made shots at points during the year. And yeah, I know some people have shown some stats of him in big games against Power 5 teams and the stats aren't good across the board. I also know he hung 37 on Arkansas, right? I mean, so... Average 14 uh, a game. Yeah, I, th- those guys don't grow on trees. So I... I and especially the veteran part of that, I, I think it's I think it's a big deal of his return. I mean, his return, the potential of of a couple of guys still out there, maybe landing another freshman big, maybe getting somebody else in the portal. Suddenly, that roster looks a whole lot better. But it's also still in flux because I don't know what to believe about Antonio Reeves either, and we don't know what Bradshaw's situation is. And it could go from the high of right now of what these fans think it might be, and understandably so, to suddenly you no know, Reeves is just coming to finish his degree, and then he's going to grad transfer somewhere else, and. Um, you know, the Bradshaw thing lingers and he doesn't play at all. I, I Again, I don't know what to believe. Yeah, there are still a few names out there, bigger names available as transfers. Paul Mulcahy, I know, is one that both Kentucky and Xavier are in the mix for. He's Rutgers transfer, 6'7", combo guard type of player. And there are a few others as well, but, it, you know, it, Kentucky is going to be playing a summer game here in what? How many weeks now? Yes, <laughs> I mean, two weeks in Canada. Yeah, so uh, it's still just one of the most fascinating stories. It's it's funny because there are people who still have them in their rankings and still believe in them, and then I've seen a lot of people have just taken to dropping them out completely and saying there's just too much uncertainty here. So I, I'm fascinated by this whole Kentucky story, and we'll we'll see where it goes when we get closer to the season, I guess. Well, we'll right. see, maybe we'll see where it goes the closer we get to them playing in Canada. Well, true. Yeah, I guess we'll have the Canada trip first. All right, let's do some Ask Skinny Anything here to wrap this up. Let's do it. Uh, is Skinny wearing his Viking helmet? <laughs> uh, no, you know what? I got to get out of the closet. I'm sorry. Shoot, I, I meant to do it in honor of this team this year. I'm so, I know. I'm going to sound – I hate it. I still hate it. I, I, I get it. Everybody now loves it, and I'm an idiot for hating it, but I still hate it. I'm sorry that I do. You know what's crazy is I actually have a Viking helmet because of the NKU thing. That's one of the least shocking things I've ever heard. Yeah, so I actually do. I could participate in this if I I wanted, but you know I will not. Uh, this is that's the one negative about this team finding unexpected success this year is it has made this whole Viking celebration real. Now uh, the, the, I just but, but I will say people can't see this, but we do this podcast over Zoom and. Uh, Every time Skinny makes a good point, I'm over here just rowing. 
Oh, I sure. Just row the boat over here. There's no like question. Second base. I was, yeah, I, I, bet I did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same thing on a couple of points you made. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, will Skinny watch the HBO documentary about the fraudulent high school football team, Bishop Sycamore? I didn't know they were doing one, but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Are they really doing one? Yeah, it's getting released this summer. I, I, it could absolutely be oh, the worst absolutely. thing I've ever seen, but it might also be awesome. Oh, no, I think it'll be totally awesome. I, I just I'm trying to figure out how the hell they pulled this off. I think it's either an all or nothing scenario. It's either great or it's absolutely worthless. Uh, there's no in between for. Oh, enough. I think it'll be. I I think the characters involved are such a train wreck that it'll be fascinating. I do too, especially if HBO. It'll be is cringy, involved. fascinating. Yeah, they'll do it right. They'll do it right. All right. Uh, a buddy of mine is playing a hundred holes, approximately five and a half plus rounds for a good cause. Would Skinny be able to complete? If so, how would he handle it? Which would be his best round? How many balls would he lose? The more details, the better. I did ask a follow-up on this because I was confused. It's like 100 holes in a day or how's it work? And the guy said his buddy tees off at 5 a.m. in the morning and is expected to finish around 9 p.m. the same day. 100 holes of golf. So some people that do that will play like multiple balls on a hole to count that as like extra holes. I could probably pull that off. I don't know if I could play 100 holes consecutive like with one I'd lose some balls. Obviously I'd probably lose. I'd lose. I'd lose at least, although I played my last two rounds losing one golf ball and we lost it in the rough where we, I, I know where it was. We just couldn't find it. I, so I've actually, I've, my last two rounds have been in the, the low to mid eighties. So I'm actually playing pretty well at the moment, but if I was going to play hundred holes, I'd have to play multiple balls um, per hole to count those as extra holes. I couldn't play like a hole and then the next hole and do that a hundred. That's a lot, bro. Ooh, it's a lot yeah. of swings. But yeah, but I mean, it, like playing multiple balls on the hole isn't really playing a hundred holes. That's not. Well, that's how some people do. That's how some people do that. If they're doing some stuff for charity, they, that's, well, that's, that's fine. But if someone do. told me they played a hundred holes and I found out they were hitting three balls per hole, it's like, yeah, my dad does that pretty much every time he plays, he's out there hitting <laughs> two or three shots on every ball. It's like, that doesn't count. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Let, give, give me that putt again. Yeah, there we go. Give me that putt one more time. Now I got it. All right, there's my three putts. Yeah, that's right. Um, Ah, boy, I couldn't do it. I, I, what would be? I, I was it, talking to. How many could you get through in a day if you just were playing the actual holes out? One I think. I think. I think a maximum of forty-five. So Paul Diener Jr. and his father went and played. Um, they took a father-son golf trip to French Lick, and he was telling me about the courses. And, and one of them was, um, I asked, well, you know, what was the what was the greens fee? And he told me, and I'm like, ooh, that sounds a little steep. He said, yeah, it was worth it. But he said it was also you could play as many holes as you wanted. They ended up playing 27 and he said after 27, they both felt and they were both, he said we were both playing well, but he said it just, it got to be a lot. And so for me, I think I could get through 36 and if I had to push it for a cause 45, but no way, shape or form, could I do a hundred anymore? No way. At first, my right hand would be a blistered mess. This sounds like the worst day ever. Why would you agree to do this? Just cut the check for charity and play 18 (laughs) with your buddies and drink and go have a good day afterwards. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I'm telling you, that's going to be fatiguing. And I just want to see, I want to see what my man's non-glove. I think you have to be Tommy two gloves at that point. I don't know how you could do that without just having your your non-gloved hand be a blistered, calloused mess by the end of it. Oh, I would I would assume both of his hands are just going to be duct taped together by the end, just completely wrapped and du- wrapped and duct taped. <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, I, good luck. Good luck to you. And again, like I said, you asked about how many balls. Honestly, by the last 36, it, I, you, there's no way you can't hit a foul ball per hole. I mean, good Lord, you'd be exhausted. Your swing will be a mess. I'm even the problem with me is I just buy if I'm going to go play golf, which I never do. I usually only play in like a charity event. I will go buy a box of golf balls for that day and I treat them as they're disposable. So like if I hit a ball that's remotely off the beaten path, I'm not going to find it. Like I'm just dropping wherever nearby and playing on. So I lose 20 golf balls every time I play. Well, I, yeah, you, you know, it's, I, I played in um, I went to Dixie Heights High School and, and played baseball there and and they had their we had our Dixie Heights baseball golf outing a couple Saturdays ago. And it's the one time of year I get to play with some former teammates. I don't I haven't you know, I see once a year they live in different parts of the country and come in for this event. And uh, part of the part of the little gift package we got was a box of, of Callaways. And I'm like, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll play these for today. And honestly, I lost one for the day I, I in an outing because I'm the same way. Usually in an outing, if it's even remotely offline leave it and for me that was a pretty good day i actually kept it in play for the most part yeah that's impressive all right um 
our buddy David says he's heading to the beach. Oh, by the way, by the way, be- be- by the way, before we get back to another question, I-, I-, I do have to ask this, and this is completely back to a Reds question for you, actually. Okay. Uh, and you were talking about messing, you know, mess- I was talking about messing up a swing. I do not want Ellie De La Cruz participating in the home run derby. What say you? No, not at all. We talked about that last week. You, you, or yeah, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe I, longer I, yeah. than that. Yeah, you crushed the home run derby a week or two ago on here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm with I, you completely. I, I, I know it keeps getting brought up. I don't want any part of that. No, thanks. No way. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I think it, it fatigue guys weirdly, especially young guys. I think it screws with your swing. I just, I don't want him to be anywhere near it. Take the day off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. Uh, our guy David says he's heading to the beach and needs a sports biography to read. He says he has the Bo Jackson, the last folk hero, which he's currently reading, but he needs another. And by the way, does Skinny prefer hardback, paperback, Kindle? Are those still a thing or audiobook? Kindles are definitely still a thing. I mean, who? Do- yeah, I'm Kindles not are audio, I'm wildly not popular. Yeah, I'm not an audiobook guy. I, I'm, I'm hardback or, or paperback. It doesn't matter to me. Whatever it comes in. I mean, hard hard covers are are more keepable. But I've got a literally. I have in my closet. I have a a library, for lack of a better term. And I've got all kinds of. I've got a spot for old programs, old yearbooks. I got a, a spot for, for the hardcovers. I got a spot for uh, annual college football, college basketball annuals. So I've got all kinds of stuff in there. And then I've got a spot for, 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 um, for, for paperbacks. Uh, so I'm either one. I'll be honest with you. It's an easy breezy read. If you're a Bengals fan, it's not really a biography, but I honestly, I enjoyed the Joe Burrow book. I really did. Oh, good to know. I'll have to check that from, one out from, from Bulldog to Bengal. I, I, again, it was, I, I just enjoyed the book. It was just, you know, if you're a Bengals fan and, and a Joe Burrow fan, and many of you who listen to this are, um, I would highly recommend it. I think it's just, it, it was a nice, easy read, um, but a good read too. I, I, I did enjoy it and I enjoyed the way it was, was laid out. It was kind of chronological of his life to some degree. Um, he's not really quoted much in it. Most of the quote, in fact, the quotes taken from him in the book are taken from uh, news reports. Cause he, he did not actually talk to the authors for the book. It's a former coach of his, but he also talked to a lot of the family members a lot. It, it, it's it's a, I thought it was a really good read. You're talking about your library set up in your closet there. I've, I've been rearranging stuff at the house as we're getting the nursery ready and uh, came across old newspaper clippings from when I was writing at the Enquirer. And I had my first ever story that was published in the newspaper. And it was a high school softball story. And I looked at the back of it. And you know who wrote the story on the back? Me. One Richard Skinner. <laughs> yeah. What, what was it? What it was, was, this? Uh, was it a Bengals story? No, you, it was about uh, actually Nicole Kiernan committing to Thomas More. How about that? There we yeah, go. Yeah, when you were, you were still doing go. some high school and local college stuff. So, yep. Very, that's, that's, that's actually funny. Yeah, it was funny to see that. I was like, what are the, what are the odds of that happening? Uh, I guess pretty good at the time now when I look back, considering we were two of the only sports writers covering Northern That's Kentucky a good stuff. point. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is Skinny a fan of Ice Spice? I don't know what Ice Spice is. What is Ice Spice? I'm no help. I legitimately don't know this one either. Ice huh, Spice. So I, I will look I, it up. I can't, I can't. It's a young girl. Yeah. Rapper, it looks like. Social media thing, well, I think. Okay. I, I have to. I'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. No, Miss. Is it Miss Ice or Ms. Ice or Miss Spice or Ms. Spice? Ms. Spice, I um, assume. Yeah, Miss Spice. I don't know Miss Spice's work. I'm, I may I may have to listen to some Ice Spice later today. Then, but you are a big Spice Girls guy. Oh, for sure, Ginger Spice without fail. Yeah, I figured that. All right, what is the optimal number of phone chargers? I didn't. I, 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 I didn't. I did, um, four. <laughs> four. There's one by my. There's one by my nightstand. There's one in my daughter's room that I occasionally use for an office. My daughter's old room. One in the living room and one downstairs. Yeah, four and one in the car. But he said it around the house. So four, four is my answer. Infinite. Somehow I it's always like old, seem to it's need it's like that old. One. Yeah. It's like that old. Remember that old Tootsie Roll commercial where the owl, they said, how many licks does it yep. take to, to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? And he takes it and goes one, two, three crunch. And he says three. So I'm just counting my we're at four. Four is my answer because that's what we got. Perfect. By the way, it seems like we're on a, a slight delay here. Something over our connection. Did you have something to follow up with the ice spice there? No, I, all I was going to say was it was. If I, how would you rank the Spice Girls in order? Uh, the only one I can really remember. Well, you had Mel B. Which one was yeah, she? Yeah, that was Sporty Spice. She was Sporty Spice. Sporty Spice. I think that's I the only one I really remember that well. Uh, well, there was Baby Spice. She was the little blonde. 
Why? How do you know this so well? That was that's Beckham's wife. I just do. Uh, I think. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of him now. I think the uh, the blonde one is probably the cutest. That's looks like her name. She's she's number two for me. Okay. Emma Bunton. Yeah, baby spice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going ginger, baby, posh, sporty in that order. Okay. That's that was a good ranking. I would have never known to ask your ranking of the Spice Girls, but how about that? Good answer. Uh, all right, we'll wrap it up with this. Gonna need a gambling segment on Zuck versus Musk. Have you been following this at all? I have. He says he's gonna take down Twitter, right? Yeah, and so Musk said uh, he would challenge him to a cage match. Zuckerberg said, anytime, anywhere, send me your location. He's been training for it. Who do you got? Well, first of all, what would the odds be here? Um, I think Musk would get his ass kicked by almost anybody. I don't know why, but man, I, I'm, I'd love to see Zuckerberg get his face bloodied. I really would. He just got, he's got a punchable face. Does he not? Yeah, but I, Zuckerberg's had like a renaissance here. He, everyone was making fun of him because obviously Facebook got huge and he, he was the face of it. And so anytime something gets super popular, they start hating him. And everyone then started calling him a robot and said he drank his water weird. And now it's like, he's like kind of come full circle to where it seems like people are back in on him. Cause he's been, he hasn't done anything weird. He hasn't gone off the deep end and become like weirdly political or anything. And He's just been like training jujitsu and uh, doing the Murph challenge. I don't know if you saw that. He completed the Murph in like under 45 minutes. I, I did not see that, which is crazy to me. I mean, it's like uh, you do like 100 pushups, 100 pull-ups. You run a couple of miles, okay. 100 sit-ups. He did all under like 45 minutes, which is right. like super fit. The only problem here is I think people think because of that, that he would win the fight now because Musk is out of shape and Zuckerberg is younger, has gotten himself into shape. The thing I don't think people realize is fighting is not really that much about being in shape. No, but I, I must just looks like a guy who just he's all bark, no bite. I would agree with that kind of. But he's also he's like from South Africa. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's not like he's from the suburbs of America. He probably grew up a little bit differently where might have been a little bit more normal when you were a kid. To Fair just enough. Be scrapping out in the yard. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I get this? Can I give this answer? Yeah. How about they both knock each other out? Just like one of those weird, they hit each other right at the same time and they both knock each other out. What kind of odds can we get on natural disaster? (laughs) (laughs) I I used to have a, uh, I don't know if you can even say something like this anymore, but I'll say it anyway, because he doesn't care. Uh, Dan Train, who you know. Uh, back when he was my math teacher in high school, he he we were at Holy Cross High School and two of the rival schools in our district, Holmes and Covcath, when they would play, he would always say the only thing to root for here is a natural disaster. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great line. It's actually great. It is a great line. I mean, I don't even think you um, can say that in a school in 2023, but this was years ago. Yeah, here's my here's my one fear for Zuckerberg. Does he think they're going to fight in the metaverse or is he, does he understand it would be real? <laughs> well, I don't he's been training jujitsu. I think he's. I think he's preparing for a real life fight, but like I, being fit, a fit, skinny nerd does not make you ready to fight is the only thing I would say. No, that's I'm noting you. I'm, I'm, I'm noting that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Again, I I just hope that they each take the roundhouse at the right time, knock each other out. And it's a big win for all of us. Like Step Brothers, where they swing the baseball bat and the golf club at exactly the same yes. time and connect yes. and they both just pass yes. out or get knocked out. Yeah, that would be great. Yep. That'd be a great exactly. ending to their stories. Exactly. All right, that's all we got. All right, we'll be back next week. Yep, hopefully the Reds keep this thing rolling. Hopefully we'll be talking about a winning streak stretching to maybe 17 games by the time we talk next. Probably not, but we'll see. For Rick Roy, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope edition presented by Blake, the attorney Mason. 